Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another Reality Check Leadership Podcast Live. It's a pleasure to be back, this time at a different time frame than the usual Thursday night. But there's a reason for that, because I have two incredible guests, two monsters, two monsters of public speaking that I'm going to join in right now. <laughs> hey, guys, Asger and Ravi. Hello, guys. Welcome, and thanks for having accepted this uh, challenge of being here with me. How are you? Good. Awesome. Excited to be here. I know Ravi. Cool. And we chatted, Luis. I'm super excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Great. dude. I'm glad I'm doing it with Aska. I, I, I really like his energy, man. I was telling you beforehand, we've done a LinkedIn Live before, so it's good to do it again, man. That was that was like four months ago, so it's good to catch yeah. up. See? And and what we were talking enough because I didn't know I didn't know you guys met each other. So when I've you know joined you, it was cool to see that, you know, things things match uh, so i was happy to see that how are you where where are you uh, connected from tell a little bit about that to our audience so ravi you're from uh, you're based in london if i am not mistaken right yeah i say, to be fair i say london but i'm just outside of london in a place called essex so i'm based over okay. here Ask her kindly uh, and yourself kindly offered to do the time a little bit earlier because I, I couldn't make the later time, so I appreciate it. Yeah, no man, problem. I'm from London and uh, COVID-stricken world in these four walls for the past few months, so it's good to be here with you, man. Like all of us, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And you, Esther, where are you from? Well, right now I'm in uh, Copenhagen, up in my mom's yeah. apartment because the three kids are asleep, so I thought I'd come here. He just lives uh, very nearby and uh, not be disturbed. So uh, sending live cool. here from Copenhagen, Denmark. That's coming. Great. Yeah. Know, exactly. <laughs> Lisbon, Copenhagen, and London. Guys, the first thing I would like to challenge you is to, well, you are public speakers. Let's call it like that. So you guys know how to tell stories. So I'm going to ask you to tell a story about, uh, about you. But I'm going to, um, first of all, I'm going to ask you to, uh, let me see if you guys can see my screen application window i'm gonna put the more than one story i don't know if you know this this thing but it's a really cool deck that i use okay so i'm gonna ask you to tell us uh so you don't need to read it asger okay i'm gonna start okay. with you tell me a number between uh 11 and 60 please so, so i you said i started yeah tell me a number between 11 and 60. well i'll go with 12. 12 okay so uh, yeah so i'm gonna ask you to share with us a little bit about you but from a story from a trip you have made tell a story from a trip a trip you have made something that really had a cool impact yeah i was um, thinking there are a lot of stories oh well, yeah you know we're full of stories <laughs> but i think uh, a story that made a difference for me was coming out from high school uh i had a tough time living at home with my parents we argued a lot and so I was 20, I was an adult, and I was ready to go out and live my life. And so I decided to go with a friend to Florence and, and get a job there and try to have a great experience there. And I remember we were standing in one of the plazas because we we, we knew that how you get a job there, we asked a couple of Italians, said, you just go in and ask. And we'd been there for months trying to learn Italian, and our hearts were just raising, you know, beating really big time. And we were just doing uh, scissors. Uh, stone scissors for who would go first and, and go ask and then my friend uh, Jacob 
he uh, he got to go in first. I'm like, damn, man, he got balls. And he was going in. And I remember he came out with this big smile. He's like, yeah, I got it, John. like, in a restaurant, it's super cool. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. You know, and then it was my turn to go in. <laughs> oh, and I just went, had to go so many places. And eventually I got a job in a bar. But uh, I think it's all about pursuing your dreams and, and going out there and trying it. So that was a super cool experience. And I loved it. I had eight months uh, that I really enjoyed in Florence. I've never yeah. been in Florence, but it seems that's an incredible, beautiful city. It is. Yeah. And I loved it. Just being by myself, going out partying and learning Italian and just, yeah, getting that freedom. Cool. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. Ravi, your turn. Give me a number from 11, from 12 to 60. Oh, okay. 12 to 60. Let's go for number 46. Number 46. 46. <laughs> so let's see what we have here in number 46. So we have... That's my age. Tell, yeah. Tell about a personality trait that you have inherited. <laughs> <laughs> personality trait that I've inherited. I'd say I've got more for my mother than my father. Okay. But Oh, this is a good one. Personality trait. So I'd say when I was younger, I would always go to Indian weddings, right? Big, big Indian right. wedding honey gatherings, right? So I, I was a young kid, bow tie, waistcoat, walking around. And my mum my would always be like, Rav, 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 come here. I want you to meet so-and-so. I'd be like, Mom, again? And everybody she met it would be like they were best friends they'd known each other for decades and i'd always be like mom how many friends do you have she's like i only met them once but she had a really good ability to build a connection with people and genuine rapport and i think one thing that i've been able to do over the years as well um, is build genuine connections and rapport with people which is like for example aska you know we had a we had a one-off zoom call last year And then mm -hmm. LinkedIn Live, and man, I, I really respect him for what he does, and it's uh, it's blossoming into a into a relationship and friendship. Mm -hmm. So it's cool, man. I'd say that's thanks, what I mean. thanks, Ravi. Great, thank, thank you. You know what I mean. You know. What I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ravi. Right, yeah, you're part. You know what it is. Th thanks for sharing, guys. So. Um, <laughs> The topic of our conversation is uh, mostly around uh, public speaking, which is a, a, a topic that I, I, I believe tells you something, I hope. <laughs> But uh, I'd like to ask you, how did, you, uh, how did this become important? Uh, how did this become important in your, in your life, in your professional life? Who wants to jump in? Go ahead. Whoever. Go ahead, Robin. Go ahead, Robin. Interesting. I remember... Let's take it back for a sec. So my mother was born in Tanzania. My father was born in Malawi. And when I was a kid, I remember I was going on this dream safari trip. And I was sitting in this Jeep, this old, rusty, shitty, bang, bang style Jeep. And I remember my mum saying, Rav, can you just hold the, the camcorder for a second? I know camcorders, right? Not iPhone or whatnot. Camcorders, these big yeah. things. And she said, this film whilst I saw your sister out, something along those lines. And I remember I started filming and I started randomly doing some narration and commentary. And I started trying to be funny with it, probably mm -hmm. it all, but started to try and be funny with it, have some fun with it. And I was glued to it. I specifically remember that moment as something where I was like, hold on, 
I'm pretty good at this and I quite enjoy it. Like I genuinely, genuinely enjoyed it. So weirdly for me, dude, I never got my star as the individual who was a professional speaker or had the you know, million view viral TED talk or whatever it was. I actually got my start all the way from then, but also when I was a kid, around eight years old, dancing on stages. So I was, my mom enrolled me into the same dance school as my sister. And I always wanted to quit, but deep down I loved it. But I always wanted to quit. And eventually she let me quit when I was about 10 years old. And I stumbled into acting in theater mm -hmm. as a teen because get this, my best friend's father was a playwright. So funny that. Mm -hmm. One play, two play, three play, and it grew into meteor roles. And people would always be like, growing up, Brav, are you going to do this whole presenting and acting or speaking things seriously? Because you're pretty good at it. And in my head, I was like, no way. Like, I want to go make some money. Are you kidding me? Like, no, no way. So I ended up in business school in the world of investment banking. In 2016, I pivoted into TV, radio, sales leadership, coaching. And over time, it hit me, man. So many business presentations suck, which has led me to my mm. what I focus on now, which is helping leaders, sales teams, and business owners speak with confidence, become impactful storytellers and magnetic presenters so they can actually generate revenue and more impact and become better leaders, which is what we're talking about today. And you started to use LinkedIn, right, for that as, as a platform? Yeah, so I actually was that loser. <laughs> who like you know the loser two years ago who who uh share like company updates saying thank you for my cup like i was that guy like it was like very no effort just share this share that so i was like i was that individual and then last year march 22nd or 23rd i decided to do a video challenge on linkedin so i did a 30-day video challenge and i was like hold on this is different to instagram youtube yeah just stay consistent from there cool thanks Great story. Asger, what about you? How did public speaking, speaking entered into your life? Well, yeah, I think there are a number of different things that have happened along the way. But I remember one of them was that I had a really, really boring job, uh, mainly looking into screens. Uh, so I was doing my PhD project. Right. And um, so I decided, you know, this skill of presenting, I could see everybody pretty much sucked at the university, including myself. And I decided then to join an evening in the engineering uh, association to get you know a couple hours of learning how to present and I actually ended up liking it a lot and then yeah. I didn't know how to get more training how to do it then I discovered a club called Toastmasters where you can come yeah. and present and do like short uh, short speeches five to seven minutes I went there a couple of years and then I really started having this dream this passion for public speaking I like sharing my ideas my dreams my visions but deep inside, I was just scared. You know, I never, ever thought anybody would pay me to listen to me. I didn't really have the confidence. But then what happened one day, I was sitting at home and, you know, I was being on Facebook. And then there was a girl I knew. I didn't know her too, too well, a little bit, acquaintances. And she made a post. Do you want to be a professional speaker? And I really wanted to be that. And, she, and then she had written, leave a uh, um, the comment, but I didn't want to leave a comment because then people could see it, you know, that I actually right. meant it. So I just pressed a light. And I don't know, for some reason, out of, you know, 100 likes, whatever, a lot of comments she had gotten, she decided to write to me, ask her, do you want a free ticket to this professional speaking seminar for three days? And I said, like, yeah, I so much wanted. And I came to the seminar, I learned a ton, but the most important thing I learned 
was that I too could do this. I too could, you know, learn the skill of presenting. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing we can teach people. That is not the information, but it's changing their beliefs. You know, if you have the belief system that you can do this, you are going to find the information. Information today is available one, two, three clicks. You're on Amazon. You can buy tons of online courses. But the hard thing is to change the belief system. And I think that is um, one of the keys. And I, I still struggle with that, but it gets better every day, putting myself out there and doing it. And obviously, when you get good results, it helps really a lot. One of the questions that, and I've talked with a lot of people and a lot of teams, and mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about this public speaking, it's not just talking to big audiences. It can be you know, speaking to uh, 30 people that are in a sure. conference or talking to a team or talking to a customer. So at the end, some of those, some of those people really share um, fear, fear of, mm. fear of delivering that message. So, and I, I imagine that you guys in your courses, in your, in your, the way you, you coach people, this is a, a common topic, right? Yeah. Tell me a bit. So tell us a bit about that 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 fear and where does it come from? Where and why is it so such a, a topic? You know, I'm 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 afraid of communicating a message. That in fact, I know that what I want to communicate. Why do people have so much fear of mm. speaking in public? Should I go first? I'll go first. You know, I think there's a there's a uh, biological reason to this because yeah, if you stand out. And you are in the top. You know, when you're a speaker on stage, you have the highest status. People want to bring mm -hmm. you, you know, on a subconscious level, they want to be up there and have a higher status. So there is a risk. There's a risk of if, if you then deliver a really bad speech, your social status will decrease. You're not in a right. physical danger. Maybe our brain doesn't really know that, but there is a social thing to it. And, and we need to understand that, that the fear is real and it's there. And, and we are by nature made so that we don't want to go to the extremes because we, if we go to the extremes, we could be expelled from the group. We don't have the protection. But mm -hmm. in today's world, there are so many people you can play with. You know, there are nine billion people. So go out there, share your dreams, your visions, your, your, your insights and play with the people that want to play with you. And if there are people that don't like your message, cool, you know, find somebody else. But it was different a thousand yeah. years ago when you lived in a tribe with 30, 50 people then you really have to nurture those relationships. Cool, yeah. thanks. Um, so yeah, I think that's Ravi, your, your take, Ravi, on that. I agree with you, man. I really do, because you know, before it was a rhino chasing you, now you're speaking in front of a team and your brain doesn't know the difference. You know, is, mm. is, is your boss the rhino? Like, is it chasing you? You play and fight, if so, is that why you're shaking? Is that why your legs are shaking? Because actually you should be running away. Where does that excess energy and blood go? So yeah, yeah, yeah. scientific um, response that we have as to why the amygdala gets triggered, uh, or the amygdala triggers rather the fight or fight response. And the interesting thing is for me, taking that aside for a second, one of the big things is fear of judgment. Mm. Right. If I boil it down to, if I had to like take everything, which my clients will tell me, it's always in some way rooted to fear of judgment. And the weirdest thing is, more often than not, it's not what smartypan69 at yahoo.com is going to say on Instagram, the person you don't know is living across the world. It's not the keyboard warrior. It is the people closest to you. 
And what I notice is the more inner work that I've done over the years and also that my clients do, for example, one of the things that I offer in my bootcamp is hypnotherapy for clients. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't have the expertise in that, but I, I hired a hypnotherapist. To come Watch out, Asger, because he might be trying something with us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm totally hypnotized, man. <laughs> it, it, it is a really good point. And I've, I've actually done that. You know, I've taken therapy for, for a couple of bad experiences. And just, I totally agree with you. The inner game, it will be our outward expression. So whenever I develop on my inside, it will show on the outside. And that's why I really love public speaking, because it's so much more than just sharing a story. It's so much more than sharing information. So the training me and you do, I think half of it is probably personal development. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, so, so at least for my clients, it is. And I, so um, yeah. When it when it comes to hypnotherapy, it's funny. My sister saw a hypnotherapist years ago. She's like, "Wow, this lady's amazing!" Raving about her. She studied with Marissa Peer, and I was like, "Man." Take that, I don't want to do it. Take that woo-woo stuff over there. I'm good, I'm good. And then, like, do it, do it. So last year, I was like, you know what? Let me try it. So I went to see this lady virtually because it was pandemic. And dude, yeah. I was in tears, like crying, like for, for a good 45 minutes hour. And then I came out of it. She's like, how do you feel? I was like, like I've been in a 50-hour therapy session. She was like, good, good. And I was crying and I came down the stairs and Sophie was like, are you all right? I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. But it's one of the most amazing experiences. It was so cool. I was like, this is dope. People need to, I need to get this in my program for people who want to become right. confident speakers. And yeah. if you look at hypnotherapy, Mike Tyson did it back in the day. Like athletes do it. It's um, When I started doing the research, I was like, man, this is a serious thing. It's not just some woo-woo. It's like there's some real cool results behind this. It's good. Mm -hmm. yeah which definitely. is probably one of the questions everyone asks you is is how do i get over my fear right yeah it's not yeah. something that you can just click and, and you're done right you, you need to practice it you need to, to train it you need to deliver it you need to put yourself in those situations over and over again right so uh, it's yeah like uh, ronaldo doesn't shoot the, the 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 penalty to 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 win the the you know the the champions league in that specific, can you imagine the pressure of that specific specific moment? He's not public speaking, but he's he's delivering something very important for them. Yeah, and he only does it because he practices and he practices and he practices, right? Hundred percent. And let, let uh, yeah. classic example. Let's take Asker for example. Let's say somebody goes to a seminar that Asker is running, and they mm -hmm. see him on stage, and they're like, "Oh my god, I want to emulate that." They go mm -hmm. home. And they try something on video and they watch themselves back for the first time. They compare their chapter one to Asker's chapter 50. They get disheartened. Exactly. Oh, I'm not Asker. So then they don't, they just stop it altogether versus actually putting in the work to realize it's a skill set. But in the world that we live in today of instant gratification, we assume certain skill sets like speaking are either, you're either born with it. Yeah. Or they're only reserved for extroverts, which in my mind is BS. It's not the truth. Yeah, yeah I have a question about that. It's the charisma. People often say, oh, you need to have the charisma too. And I, I often think, did, did Steve Jobs have the charisma? Did, you know, Elon Musk has a charisma? That guy goes on stage and we just, what the hell is happening there? Yeah. <laughs> so charisma, it's, it's something different, right? Well, it's a skill you can learn. I think pretty much all the skills you can learn, there are certain skills where it's good to have certain genetics. If you're a basketball player, 
It's great to yeah. be tall. If you're a swimmer, it's great to have long arms. But the game of public speaking is is up here, mm-hmm. and, and that can be trained. We don't see it, but in here we have a muscle, and we don't use it. It it it, it doesn't grow, so we need to use it. And the big myth out there is that you are either born a speaker, like you said, Ravi, or or, or you're not. And, and this can be learned. You can see it. You know, even a couple of lessons. I'm sure when you have clients, Ravi, you know, after just two, three sessions, like a whole new speaker, especially if they're just new to it. Yeah. And what's what's for for a leader? Because that's that's my 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 passion, right? To how mm. can we transform people to become better leaders? And one of the key aspects is to communicate correctly and efficiently, and also to listen. How about listening? Is in is listening a really important skill in public speaking? I think it's the most important because everybody goes up on stage or if I have a client, they will say, oh, what should I say? But that's not where you start. You need to start by listening and identifying what do they need exactly. to hear? What's their problem? <laughs> and often people won't tell you their real problem, not because they don't want to, but maybe because they aren't clear about it. So you have to kind of listen between the lines, be a little bit of a psychologist and like, Maybe that's the thing. You know, we have this stupid program here in Denmark where yeah. they come to people's house and they spend all their money, way too much money, they borrow the money. And usually the problem is not that they can't handle their economy. It's a lot of different things. Maybe they uh, got daddy and mom issues or they're afraid their friends will leave them if they don't pay for them. But the whole other problem, typically, and we need to discover what that is. And if you can discover that and then help them with that, You're a whole different speaker than if you just come and give them what they think they need. You need to give them what they really need. Cool. And that's by listening. Yeah. And even when when you're delivering, right? If you're delivering something, Mm. you just you are checking the audience. And even if it's a small audience, I I used to I used to do this quite often. If I'm talking to a team of four people and where everyone starts the meeting, we're there, the first thing I ask is are we checked in are we here mm. because a big part of t- of the of the times with all the buzz with all the stress with all the things that we we all have to do people go into a meeting and now even worse than ever right because everyone is online so we never know yeah. what's happening i can be drinking i can be i don't know so th- the first question is are we really here right does it yeah. or else we got the a guy message in here can... luis what? sorry to interrupt we got Eloy in here hey Eloy, how are you yeah yeah yeah, Eloy, I, dare, I can put a message here. How are you, Eloy? Thanks for joining. I dare to say the ability to listen is one of the most underestimated skills of modern times. Oh, mic drop. Yes. Bang. There you go, Eloy, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You got Thanks, a, you Eloy. Got a tip, Eloy, maybe for how to listen well, because it's such a cliche, listen. But how do you listen? What's the trick? Cool. You know exactly. what? You know, to, to add something to this, you know what I think about? when I think about listening is, is we've been told in society through Hollywood movies or whatever it might be, that confidence is the person who speaks, who's the loudest, who's often the most extroverted or brash. Actually, some of the most influential leaders that I've partnered with or seen from afar are the ones who are so comfortable in their own skin that they are able to listen and not allow ego to rise and actually breathe and be in the moment because they know that they could learn something versus a lot of the time. And by the way, 
I've done it, I'm sure everybody in this room's done it, where you're thinking about what you're going to say next, whether you're nervous because you want to sound smart or whether you're in a room full of peers and you want to say something interesting or you want to be liked. You know, all of these different things happen. But going back to what Asker and I said at the beginning, the inner work, the more you do, it will allow you to be more present and in the moment because you're not worried about scarcity. You're not worried about somebody uh, having a word in and taking your idea. You know, all of these things that often may happen when you're living and not in an abundance mindset. Agree, agree. Yeah, I, I was in a position point. last, last uh, in my last job, I was in a position, I was leading a team, a big team of around 180 people, which meant that I was uh, the last person to talk or the guy that could take the decision. And one of the things I had, and it's clear because I have a, I have a picture of it. I had a post-it, a yellow post-it in front of my monitor that just wrote that was that had a, 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 a um, had a, a word, and the word was listen, because I had to focus that I need to listen because, or, or else it's 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 just like I'm not uh, you know I'm not willing to to hear other points of view. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not becoming a, a, an inclusive leader, right? And that's something that I don't want to be. I want to be an inclusive leader. I want to be able to. And at the end, those guys have much more ability to to take decisions than I do because I don't know everything, right? No one knows knows everything. Eloy, Eloy, still, still, is still here. You need to be at peace with yourself. Most people, most people are just waiting. The other one stops talking to immediately share his views. Mm. Branding what he just spoke. Yeah. It's really that, Sorry, go yeah. on. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say on that topic, it's really interesting. I remember I was training this sales guy. I won't mention his name, but I was training a sales guy. Uh, he's in my network. But he would talk himself out of a sale every time because he would talk so much on a call, end up talking himself out of a sale. Now, we were in a, a phase in the startup I was at, at the time where we didn't have the money for software. We were like, you know, we were bootstrapping. But eventually, I wanted to put some software in place where you get coaching mm -hmm. and you see how much people are talking versus listening. But what would happen is, is they were sold and then he would go home. <laughs> so about the sales. So it's interesting, man. It's an interesting battle and it often boils down to ego. Yeah. What about what about you know leaders? Um, you, you guys do do trainings and then you guys do workshops and things like that for leaders for people that yeah. they're in their key skills they need to communicate effectively and correctly to people. Um, is there any specific uh, subset of tools or skill sets that you believe a leader should have in order to improve the way they communicate to their teams? Would it be different? I've hugged the mic. You go for it, bro. I'll go after you. Yeah, go. Well, I, I, I don't think it's that different, but I right. think it's really important as a leader that you can tell a story, you can craft that vision, and then people will buy into the vision and be part mm -hmm. of it. Like Steve Jobs was just a master of this. He could really tell stories. If you listen to his speeches, those are all stories, and that's why people bought the products. Um, so he's a master, he was a master storyteller. And I, I think we need to uh, really be able to tell better stories and include the people to be the heroes of the stories. Yeah. Um, but, but we are all leaders in the end of the day. Yep. Uh, 
no matter what your job is, you are always leading some people. And how would you say to someone, let's break this down a little bit into a project, right? Uh, you have a team that is mm -hmm. delivering a project and you have, you know, they are working in a methodology. Mm -hmm. What a project manager is seen as the leader of the, that specific project. How can a project manager tell a story about, you know, uh, how can, how can he, how would you, uh, you know, wrap this up? How do would you wrap a story around the project who is day-to-day -day operational delivery? Yeah. So the big myth, people think a story is a fairy tale thing. Right. It's not the content. A story is not the content. It's the structure of the message you're sending out there. And a story uh -huh. revolves around characters and a problem that you're trying to solve. And then what happens? So you need to put your, your message into the struct story structure. When I delivered my PhD project, uh, my, my, my thesis there, I mean, I didn't tell that many stories, but the whole structure, that 45-minute talk, was a story structure. Maybe they didn't realize it when they heard it, but their yeah. brain loved it because it was built like a story. So think about what's the what are the key steps in a story and then add that into technical things. That's something we can learn, right? Learn oh, the structure yeah. and learn how to... The science is out there. The methodologies are out there. We know what engages the brain. We know it's not just information. People will not take the information if it's not told with emotional impact, if it's not told in a story format, and if it's not told in a story format, we will change it so it becomes a story and we leave out things, add things, uh, and there's plenty of signs out there showing mm -hmm. they love stories. But so we but we got to know the structure. That goes to one of your last videos, Ravi, where you're talking about delivering the presentation content in a not in a you know in, in such a professional official manner to do it differently, right? To yeah, man. As in, I mean, we can touch on that, but like we could talk for hours on that. So we can add on that. <laughs> but what Asker just said, what what's really interesting about what he said is, is leaders will often mm -hmm. tell people what to do because they've got a message from the CEO, who's got a message from the investors who said we need this, we need that. So suddenly they feel the pressure. So instead of taking the time of buying people into the vision, they say, okay, the, the investors say, we need this, this, that, let's get it done, let's go. And you expect everybody to be on board. That's not, that's not how it works, but we see it all the time. Right? And what's very interesting is, is what Asuka mentioned about having people buy into your vision. And Steve Jobs, I would actually say he was very charismatic. Because you I think so? Yeah, because this is my perspective is that- Of course, of course different on different people but what we think of charisma is okay it's james bond it's harvey specter from suits right but <laughs> different on different people and i think we try as leaders to be somebody or something we're not that's when we speak inauthentically because now more than ever people can smell a fraud right yeah then you can't connect with your audience and if you can't connect with them if you can't take the attention translate it into connection then you can't teach somebody something. If you can't teach somebody something, you can't get them to take action on your message. So it's a complete breakdown in the chain. And it really does boil down to the softer stuff that we spoke about at the beginning, which is you have to do a lot of this, like the inner work, but people always want strategy. But why is it you could have two leaders in a room? 
You give them two strategies. For one person, it works. For the other person, it doesn't. They've got the same skill set when it comes to presenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really interesting. I mean, yeah, as I said, we could talk about it for hours. But yeah, that's my, that's my quick view. So you guys teach this, right? You guys teach leaders or people on how to deliver a message that uh, comes across to the other side. Yeah, right, Robbie. Yeah. Say say that again, Louis. I, I, I lost oh, you. I was I, saying. I was saying. You you, you train people. We yes. you guys train people so yeah. that the message that you want to convey is well perceived on the other side. Exactly. So, for example, I'm training uh, this team over in LA at the moment. Uh, Not in LA. I wish I was, but um, I'm in I'm in the UK where it's cold. But I'm training this team over in LA at the moment and training the entire sales, marketing, and um, customer services team. And it's all about for them specifically how can you speak in a way which positions you as an effective communicator. Speak, you know, with once again the word effectively to influencers and decision makers, but also tell the right stories at the right stage of the sales process to unlock revenue versus doing what everybody else does which is pitching features and benefits or whatever it might be but yeah different programs to different people but i think going back to what you mentioned um yeah we, we both ask and i do train leaders in that but i think there is in the virtual world we live in now this has thrown a spanner in the works where people have to retrain they cut the people delivering presentations like it's 2019 the game has changed right it's changed so there's a there's a there's a skills gap which currently exists. Yeah. One of the things I love when, I, when I'm speaking with people or in an audience is to, to read the room, right? To read what's happening there and, uh, you know, throw some things here, throw some things there and try mm-hmm. to get as much as possible the attention just by reading the room. Mm-hmm. This the virtual world is very different. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys lead the room? which is virtual and it has 20 little squares that you, can, you don't even understand what's what's happening over there or do you i think it's harder obviously right. when you're not in the room but if you can if you have the time you come early and you mm-hmm. chit chat with the people that are there you can mingle a little bit uh, you know come early and and you just you know humanize yourself um i i would do that and you know if you mention their names when they're speaking, it's so easy when it's online, they have their name and say, you know, yeah. give me a thumb up. Thanks, Elena, that was so great. You, you are engaging. Just that, that little contribution that you see them, that can go a long way. And if you had That's a small p- talk yeah. before you started, include that in your talk. Like uh, if you had, oh, like we talked about before we started, this is one of the problems, blah, blah, you know, do that small talk. That goes yeah, a but, long way. Mm-hmm. But people are suffering a lot, right, with this, in the sense that uh, even today I was talking with some, a member of, of, of the team and he, he was telling me that now I have to book everything to talk with someone, <laughs> right? I need to send him a link. I need to go to Teams. Can we talk? I need to. It's always a, it doesn't sound so natural, which in fact isn't because we're not together. We are all virtually. And um, what impacts do you guys think this is going to have on, on this, on, on communication in teams, with, uh, with teams, etc.? I think 2020 was a year of the amateur. Let's just be real. Like you could present with poor lighting, poor audio, and you'll get away right. with everybody who's in the same boat. But the vision that I see genuinely is take an employee, when they join an organization, 
they will be given a backlight, they will be given a microphone as a part of their starter kit. Welcome. It's already happening. It's already go. happening. There you go. I didn't actually know that, but I, I like that's super fascinating to me because I think that is now the norm where the moment I switch my camera on, I'm telling people a story, going back to storytelling, about who I am, the values, look, the pictures behind me, what do they say about my values? Like, there's intentional and invisible selling when you have your frame open. What does it say about you? What stories? No. And if you've got a company who are selling or are selling a high ticket product or a premium product to certain customers, or you've got any company in the world for that matter, it's about showcasing a very intentional and congruent personal brand. So the game has changed because this may reduce as we move out of lockdown, but it's never going to go away now. No, no, know. true. Yeah, so it may reduce, but people know now know it can be done because it saves money as well, right? So it's here to stay. Yeah, we're going to have a couple of, of, of companies definitely reducing the, the office space, the office size, yeah. rental, and things like that. Totally, totally not. Yeah. But that's a, it's pretty challenging for people that uh, that are used to to work, especially here in the southern countries. Mm -hmm. We are so we are very physical. We are very touching. We are very that this is this is very very hard for us, and uh, it's causing a big impact. And, uh, but I'm seeing already companies giving a ring lights and a microphone to uh, new employees because that's what we want. We want people to be online. With their cameras on and ready to connect. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but That's maybe good. go ahead. Go clear ahead. Their message really is. So if, if you have a meeting, I, I see so many times people come unprepared. Oh, let's just have a meeting. Well, what's the point of the meeting? You got to be prepared. You got to know what what is the problem you want to talk about, and maybe people get a little bit faster to it uh, with the online medium. But uh, yeah, we'll see what the future will, will tell us and what happens. Cool. But um, but bad things, I think. I, I'm interested in understanding what the people who you work with, what are their key questions? So if, if I'm doing a seminar, workshop, et cetera, what are normally the doubts that people have, people that want to improve public speaking? What are the things that they usually ask you? I'd say it depends on who I'm speaking to. So for example, if I'm speaking to an executive, it's different mm -hmm. to speaking to somebody in the sales team. but. A sales team um, but in general when it comes to speaking with confidence if we take that element of things and being a better speaker in general they always come with the idea of there's this one common thing which is how can I reduce my mind moving faster than my mouth because what happens if my mind moves faster than my mouth and it's going like this we start speaking fast and we can't really build a connection it sounds like Jim Carrey it doesn't sound good. So that is one I'm gonna short clip that just to tell you. <laughs> you can take it. Um, a lot of the questions come uh, come around reducing the white noise up here, reframing the inner voices. So I talk about the inner voices that we have. For example, the demanding CEO. Mm -hmm. Mistake. You can't make a mistake or the intern oh my god what if the battery goes on this interview what are we gonna do so there's all of these different voices that we have and it's about how can we reframe them so a lot of it does come down to the superficial thing of oh man i just want to tell better stories oh man can, can you just like i just want to speak like with confidence and conviction and with impact so people listen 
But once you go deeper, like, people want a pizza, but they really need the gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. The pizza, they really need the gym. And often what they actually need is not necessarily the gym. They need a stronger why to ensure that they keep going to the gym to put down the pizza. So it's really mm. fascinating the way people come to you with questions because often it's deeper than they realize. Right. No, it, it, it resonates to me, to be quite honest, a lot. Yeah. And I always, especially in English, because it's, it's not my native language, but I, I, usually, I usually tend to, um, I always try to simplify, but I see myself over-complexifying the, the stuff I want to say, because I, I think in Portuguese or, and I want to say it in English, and it's hard to communicate in a different language for a non-native speaker. So, um, but Asger, you were going to say something about this. Um, yeah, so what we were talking about, oh, common questions, common yeah, questions. common questions. Yeah, a lot of them, with, with, like Ravi said, things they think they need, but in reality, they need something completely different. A lot of people will come and ask, oh, how do I make better slides? Well, <laughs> do you even need slides? Because right. typically, presentations are quite boring if you use slides. I'm not saying you should never use them. You can, but first you got to ask yourself, does this help my audience or does this help me? And then I totally agree with you, uh, Ravi, about the thing, you, your mind racing. And I one topic I really love is this flow state. And I remember for years, I, I wasn't in it. I didn't know what it was. But then, you know, when you grow with your confidence, it's just like you're there. And I don't know if you've tried it, both of you, the time just flies. It's just like it can go really fast, but it can also go really slow. And you're like, you're so immersed in that place. And you, you know, it's like another voice speaking to you. It's just like, it comes to you because you are feeling good about it. You're challenged. You're delivering your, your best. So uh, go into flow state. And that comes when you're challenged, but you're also competent. And how do you become competent? Obviously, by training and rehearsing, doing it over and over again. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be a click, right? People need to practice. People need to do it in front of a mirror or next to people. They need to yeah. practice that delivery, right? But also getting, I think, the coaching. That's the, what changed for me. Like, I was way too slow to ask people uh, for help and pay help because you mm -hmm. can get a lot of free advice, which is good when you're starting. But, you know, pay a serious amount of money because let's be real. If you pay a little bit, you're going to get a little bit. If you pay more, you're probably going to get more. Not always, no. but that's usually the case. So I say if you really want to get good, you know, find somebody with a credible history that can deliver great speeches, has shown that they can help other people. You know, and sometimes I'm just amazed other speakers that have no speaking material on their web page. I don't know if you're good. You might be the best in the world, but why not just just three minutes that sometimes can do the job to let me know. What's the, the hardest part for you guys? Imagine that you're delivering a talk or a pitch. What's the hardest mm -hmm. part? It's the preparation, the delivery. Where do you guys uh, feel it's where do you spend more time preparing it? The, I think the hardest thing, for example, is getting before the presentation even is being crafted or your message or your story is the seven questions you should ask yourself. Who am I speaking to? Who is the one person? What is the big problem that's keeping them up at night? Like genuinely deep stuff, not the superficial stuff. What have they tried that hasn't worked? 
What vehicle are you going to take? What is your unique methodology to get them from pain to glory? What resistance will you face when getting them to take action on your message? What do they want out of this presentation? What is the thing that you need, which is your CTA? What do you want out of this presentation? Like, that stuff is interesting. And one of the great ways to do that is by sending a survey to mm -hmm. people, to yeah. the audience. And also, it gives you an insight for the problem so you can actually pivot your message to solve a problem versus what a lot of us will do is, and we've all been there, where a story or a presentation has served us and our ego and given us significance mm. versus the audience. And the moment you can switch from, okay, it's not about how I look in this moment. It's not about where my hands are and how I move to this part of the stage. It's like, okay, how can I deliver, deliver amazing value packaged in a way that's never been delivered in this way before? And remember, people bind to you, so it's your story. So once you get that alongside the problem that you're solving, it connects. But getting to the root of the problem that you're actually solving is often hard because people, people don't want to tell you the truth, man, right? No one's got <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we don't know the truth. Yeah. Like, sometimes like, oh, that was really my problem? Yeah, you had daddy issues. And that's why you're scared when you get up on stage because you want to look good. You were used to you. Maybe I, I would get appraisal if I did well in school, not just because I was myself. So in the beginning, when I went up on stage, I wanted that approval. I thought, you know, hey, give me some love. But, you know, that's the wrong way to give it, uh, get it. You know, just be yourself, share it and help people like you're saying, Robbie. So our, um, our why really and then uh, help people. Yeah. yeah, and people, th thanks for that, guys. R really cool. And and when I when you when when you are delivering that uh, let's let's say that pitch or that presentation, uh, people tend to tell me that uh, normally I'm focused on uh, the the one person that wants me to fail, <laughs> and not on the other ones that that in fact are interested in the message. So if I'm focused on the person that that wants me to fail, that I believe wants me to fail. I'll start to become nervous. I'll start to to say the wrong things, etc. And I'll and I'll be out of focus. So the question I would like to ask you is, how do you maintain the focus? How do you how do you go back to 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 exactly what you want to tell and you get out of all the all the influences that's going to be there, and that will make you divert into different things? How do you keep that focus by practicing? By how do you do it? I think you got to be cool about it. If you know people are sitting on their laptop or texting whatever you, you can let them know that that you know make a little bit of fun out of it and say you know it's super cool you're making notes here um and if they're you know if they're <laughs> on a phone call it's like it's super cool but you know i just want to give everything I to my that. audience here I so call that. them out on it and um, typically they just want to be up on stage so if you praise them a little bit uh if i come early to a venue i'll typically know if who's the person and I make sure I praise them. You know, if I have a speaking job, you know, I'll give them a question like, oh, this guy over here, he did amazing. He had just done an awesome project. And now he has to prepare the speech. His boss asked him, well, how should he practice? And then everybody looks at him and he gets some attention. Damn. And that usually <laughs> can do the job. So praise them. I'll do that or go at him or just leave him, you know, but you got to be cool about it and not be effective. And you gotta believe in your message. When you when you come there, can do you really honestly believe that the thing you share can help them? Because if you do, then they can just leave and the rest can hear it. 
So yeah, that would be some of my advice. Ravi, how do you keep the focus? It's funny. I'm going to take this to two scenarios, but just to touch okay. on what Asuka said is, is what would frustrate somebody the most? If you do have a genuine hater or troll, right, in the audience, like, <laughs> just look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, if you got somebody like that, what's going to frustrate them more is you going deeper, deeper into you and actually being more authentic than ever before. So it's, I mean, it's funny. The more real you are, the more people you will annoy because everybody's personality, when we're being real, is going to repel some and appeal to others. So it's quite interesting. It's like when we try and be liked by everyone, we don't actually add value to anybody because our message yeah. is universal it's too here there yeah. and everywhere because we're scared of you know whatever it could be backlash but going back to what Asuka said take it to a sales scenario for a second we call it commission breath right so if you are in a presentation or a pitch and you are so i don't know you're like oh my god i need to close this because this is gonna mean i get that big bonus people can tell everything from your energy to the way yeah. that you speak your tone how rushed you make the actual talk, how fast you speak. The clues are everywhere, man. So it really does boil down to being detached from the outcome of what the presentation will actually mean. And that often, what I mean by that, I know that sounds woo-woo, but stay with me for a second, is your presentation will not be perfect. And I think being in acceptance with the fact that you can't deliver every line, like, like people want to deliver a line, mm -hmm or the entire presentation word for word perfect but actually imperfection is what creates connection and allows you to make somebody feel understood but the problem is when we're trying to be perfect it becomes about us it, and we just it just becomes self-fulfilled so it's really interesting it goes back to that point at the beginning of the inner work but also understanding that through time the more and more that you do and the more reps that you do you'll become better about using your mess ups, I nearly swore, but mess ups mm. stage as a moment for, I mean, Asuka and I spoke about this. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember my next line? Like just owning it in the moment because people were like, oh, this yeah. is human. So it's really interesting, letting go of perfection. And then the next thing is as well is, if we think about a person who is trying to be, Trying to be somebody that they're not or portraying a specific image or perception of something, they often might be on edge the entire time because they're worried about being exposed or they're worried about being asked certain questions in the mm -hmm. QA or they're worried mm -hmm. about somebody digging deep into certain parts of their story. So what can happen is, is it goes back to you. You live inside of your own head and you don't deliver in an authentic way. And I think it does boil back down to, okay, you don't have to be like Asuka. You don't have to be like Rav. You can solve a problem in a different way and maybe even yield better results than Rav and Asuka. But if you don't own your experience and allow it to become a part of you, you are, because you're like, no, but this person did this, this, that. I have to be like them. You never really allow yourself to step into your power of solving somebody's problem. And as we know, people find mm -hmm. You know that that remind me something when you were talking about you know being yourself and being authentic. I, I did a presentation. I love to experiment things, mm. and deliver things in different ways, 
video, audio, I don't know. I tried different things just to for the fun of it. And I, I did one a couple, two years ago. It, it was kind of in a kickoff. Every, all the team was there. And I did a, a doodle, you know, the doodle where you draw. So I had a video of a doodle of the whole history of that year. Mm-hmm. And I decided to put the video passing with the doodle. So it was a writer painting the stuff that I wanted to convey. And then I was in front with, with the mic speaking. And I practiced all over again to see, you know, I want to deliver this in this manner, etc. Mm. Nothing could have prepared me to what was happening, to, 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 to what happened. Because when I was on stage and I was looking to all the team that I've helped build, where, with whom I had an incredible connection, it was a three-minute video. And I clearly remember from the, from the second minute, I just wanted to cry, cry, cry. Because I was feeling the message in such a different way than the way I've practiced it. And at the end of my eyes were completely just blown away because I was conveying the message in a, it was me. It was not me practicing anything. It was just what I was feeling, sharing it with the, with the, with the, with the audience, with the audience. And the impact it had with the team after was incredible because they, they, because they felt that vulnerability. They felt, they felt that I was really being myself. So, so when you talk, when you touch the topic of authenticity, hmm. I think that may makes a huge impact. People just sometimes need to be there themselves. It's going to resonate bet, better, right? I, I would say always, but, but yeah. we also we also different. It depends on the setting, and I think that speech you, you gave probably because you practiced it so much, it made it easier to share the other things that came out. So yeah. that what happens a lot of times to me, you practice certain things, but then you're there, you know, you say something else because the mood is different, the people respond differently, but you got to put in that practice in order to do that. Of course. Of course. Uh, and people think you just, you know, it's like you can semi-wing it if you practice a lot, I'd say. Do you guys have any cool his- history or any cool thing that, that happened to you? Uh, you know, any blooper and issue that you guys had on on delivering something and do you remember any story about that well it didn't go well yeah that didn't go well that that was unexpected yeah i remember one time uh a few years ago uh, i had my twins they were probably about eight nine months at that time so sleep was not really uh, what i was getting most of and i had a morning event i was speaking at seven and usually I'll get up early and, you know, practice, warm up, warm my voice up and my, my mental state. But I skipped that because I, I want a little bit more sleep because it was also early in the morning. And I came there and I just noticed, oh, wow. and I could just feel the nerves. And it was like a cold engine. And the room just, you know, I didn't connect with that room. Right. And that's the only time I've never, ever gotten a testimonial when I, that I would usually always get. So... After that, I thought, you know, you always warm up like a super athlete. Don't just go there and tr- think you can wing it. You know, Tony Robbins, uh, I interviewed one of his guest speakers. He will warm up yeah, before I've he seen goes on stage. He's the best, uh, most, uh, best paid speaker in the world, probably. He'll warm up. I'm like, if he warms up, I think I should warm up too. <laughs> cool. um, and after exactly. that, I've always warmed up. Yeah. What, what what you do in a warm up? What does that mean? A warm up, I'll, around, I'll you... do no, not so much. I will do some breathing exercises because that can really calm you down. Right. I will uh, listen to some good music if it's a good time. I'll go out have a walk because, like you were talking about, the rhino chasing you. 
So if you're in the savannah and you're walking, you're not being chased. You're telling your body, I'm in a good state. If you go out right. and run, you're like, ah, I'm scared. Right. <laughs> so um, so watch something that can make you laugh. If you don't have anything, you can just start laughing, um, you know, by yourself and, and your body will feel that. So Ravi, what you know, about I have you? A whole list. It's really Thanks. interesting to say that. So going back to the concept of like nerves and fight or flight, so and the routine. So it's second of November 2018. I'm about to go on stage at the London Excel, and I had like seven minutes to go and position our startup and sell it to a room of uh, buyers, investors, tons of people. And oh, I remember yeah. I was sitting on this wooden box. And I, I'm I'm really short, so my legs couldn't even touch the floor. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like hi, and my legs, are, they're kicking it, they're kicking it. And I remember I had these uh, white uh, headphones on, and my eyes were closed, and I was I didn't realize how loud I was doing it, but I was going. <sighs> <laughs> right, because it's one of the things I used to do before is I meditate. I really like quieting down the mind. Like the way that really sticks with me is boxers. They quieten down their mind before because they want to be in that calm flow state. Not, like, you know, so, you know, different folks, different strokes. But then this dude comes over and he's like, ah, bro, you're nervous, right? You're up next and you're nervous. And I was like, I, I didn't hear him. And I, and I go, huh? And he, I took out my headphones. I was like, what's up? And he was like, right? And I'm like, would you, what, how? He's like, you're breathing all like that. You know, as I was like, okay, I, I didn't even resonate with it. And then afterwards, I was, I was thinking, he asked if I was nervous. Of course I was nervous. Like, I'm human. Do you know what I mean? Like, who do you think once you get to a certain point, you don't have nerves? But here's the interesting thing is, if Ronaldo is taking that penalty kick in the World Cup final, of course he's going to feel butterflies, excitement here in the moment. So for me... I don't see it as nerves. I see it like, man, I'm excited to go on. And it's good. Yeah. It shows that I care. So it's about the reframe. But this idea that you get to a certain point and you'll never experience that. Well, man, I hope that never happens because I want to care about what I'm doing. Because if I just walk on like, hey, what's going on? It's just like, I've not really done the right thing. Guys, I had exactly that feeling before entering in this life. I've never had talked with you guys. Yeah. So I'm doing this you know, quite recently. Yeah. So I had I, I felt the butterflies. What am I going to do? How am I going how how my English is gonna turn out, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, We're all learning and, and I'm definitely learning with it. Guys, we don't have so much time, but I would like to ask you um, um final final question about uh, you know a book a reference a talk something that has somehow inspired you or influenced you um it's what we call here in portugal the momento marcelo who is a famous which is our president and our president had a you know had a, a tv show uh, where he showed the world books he was reading and he did it in a really cool way so I would like to ask you for my moment, Marcelo. So what books, what talks, what things have inspired you in your lives that you would like to share with us? Asger, you can go first. All right. Actually, I brought a book. I brought cool. this one. Um, it's called, well, let me see. It's called Peak. Peak. Secrets cool. from the New Science of Expertise by Anders Ericsson. Unfortunately, he passed away. But um, I'm a big fan of science. I really like that. And, you know, there are a lot of great biographies out there. People who have succeeded, they've written down their stories. There are obviously a lot of value in this. But the, the, in here, this is a, a way where they have peer reviewed, you know, a lot of experiments, but taken a lot of people. 
and shown what is it we need to do in order to excel and do really, really well. So I can just highly, highly recommend this one. It really breaks it down. It's like 30, 40 yep. years of compressed uh, science within high performance. There are so many myths out there. There is so much um, Instagram advice that we don't know if it's really true or working. This is the real deal. It gives me confidence. Whenever I doubt myself, I go back and look, this is the path you need to take. Do that. And um, everything Great. can be learned pretty much, yeah. Thank you. I'll then put it on a, on, on our uh, post. I'll, I'll then put the link so that everyone can see it. Thank you so much, Asger. No problem. I didn't know that one. Ravi, <laughs> what do you have there for us? I could listen to Asger talk all day. His voice is so calming. He's like, his voice on the Calm app. You know, like the He's medicine. hypnotizing us. He's hypnotizing yeah. us. He's, he's doing the thing. <laughs> what, the voiceover artist. Um, so I'm going to take this down a different route. So there's an actor called... Justin Baldoni, um, mm -hmm. and he was the guy who was the lead male in the uh, what was it, Jane Virgin? What was that show? What's that show, Jane? I, I can't even remember. A big, really big show, it was a huge show. Anyway, he's got a series on YouTube called Man Enough, and ultimately, he takes people who are thought leaders, celebrities, actors, like really famous people and successful business people in their own right, men. And they talk about the things that are so vulnerable, like you would never hear them talk about, for example, how they feel about their bodies, how they feel about imposter syndrome, how they feel about these things. And it's a really interesting watch as a man, because you look at it and you go, wow, man, these people are who you would see as, they have everything together. But the truth is, is everybody, man, has a story to tell everybody has vulnerabilities and it humanizes the storytelling process but also gives so many people permission and when i watch it i watched an episode uh, yesterday but i watched um the entire series i think a year ago and i'm going to re-watch it because it inspires me every time to just show up more vulnerable more human because often we can forget to cool. do right and i think it was a really nice reminder for me so go check it out justin baldoni man enough is the name of the youtube show Great. Cool. Thank you so much. I, we did a, I did a podcast about vulnerability. We were commenting, you know, Brene Brown's uh, work. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it was really cool, really cool. Guys, we don't have more time, so I'd like to thank you so much for the generosity of being here with me, of uh, helping me also and, and um, you know, help me grow and, and become better in, in, in that specific skill. Which I'm, I can I can ensure that has much more impact than most of people think, and uh, the way we communicate and the way we pass the message is of extreme importance for everyone out there. And you don't need to be a leader to do that. You need to be just a colleague, a friend, someone else. So uh, thank you guys for having uh, been there, Shada. Thank you so much for being there. Excellent show. Agree. <laughs> cool guys. I'll put the show online. Um, thank you so much once again. I wish you all the best. And I'll put your links and your comments below so that everyone can reach out to you whenever they want. Thank you. Stay, See well. Stay well.